This soil brings us riches and blessings. Welcome to another episode of Fertile Soil. You know, each and every time I do one of these podcasts, I take the time to read and study and search for some of the most fertile soil there is in the world. And sometimes that goes to a little bitty spot. Sometimes it's a huge area. Sometimes it's an entire country or a region. And I look to see how that affects people and I look to see if it happens to be a luxury or even, which most of them turn out to be, or always have been, a necessity for the human race in some way or another. But today's episode happens to be on Cuba with one of the most famous products that comes from Cuba in the world is their tobacco. And what is derived from that tobacco is their hand-rolled cigars which is some of the most sought after cigars in the entire world. With the embargoes against Cuba, it makes it very um, difficult to get a hold of their um, cigars. But there is a specific region in Cuba that they're most famous for that the best cigars in Cuba come from, and that region is Vuelta. I'm gonna tell you every detail about these cigars and the people that live there and how they were found, the, the tobacco specifically, and how that area was discovered. And I'm gonna tell you some fine points of the soil, which that is the most important thing because without the fertile soil, we wouldn't have any of this. And the animal life that is there. And then in the end, how it affects the economy and uh, how the people live there and the money and the work that comes from all this um, fertile soil in the beginning. And then I'm gonna tell you how cigars have become so popular in this world. It's become such a um, special thing that people have in the evenings around their house to relax and spend time together. Guys get together and have a, a good visit and a lot of times they all want to have a nice cigar. But then, in the end, how all of this affects the people, the humans that live in that area, and specifically the farmer's life. I want to go into great detail about that and tell you how they live and how their life has been affected over the last hundreds of years by this product and how their life is, how hard of working people they are. So I'm excited to do this podcast and we're going to start out right now on that. So let's dive on into this now. I like to start out first in these podcasts to tell you exactly what the soil is like there because that is what the main thing where all this comes about is the fertile soil itself. Now there in Cuba, in Vuelta, the soil there and the climate's very special of course and it's hard to find that combination to create the most special soil in the world that creates the most unique 
and high dollar and famous cigars out of the world come from there. So again, the soil is in perfect growing conditions there for cigars and tobacco. The average temperature there year round is 73 degrees and which that is a phenomenal temperature to live in. I love it. It's like the fall here. The average humidity there is 65%. What more could a person ask for? 65% humidity, 73 degrees. Here in Missouri, it sometimes can get ridiculous. We can have 90% humidity with 90 degree weather, which is crazy. And the soil there is, like I said, is very rich and full and packed full of nutrients. It's a reddish tone looking it's and it comes originally from volcanoes yeah the main reason again the soil is so rich is from thousands and thousands of years of volcanoes erupting and it's like that through the entire caribbean area formed by volcanic action you know and which again created the soil and it's very sandy and granular and it's not great for growing much of any other type of product but it is uh, great for growing tobacco and if you remember in one of my other podcasts in uh, Hawaii their their soil is very special because of the volcanic eruptions and creates this type of soil so certain plants grow in these special soil soil conditions in both places in Hawaii and here in Cuba uh, their humidity and their temperatures are pretty much the same and that leads me to talking about the type of animal life. I always like to tell you in each one of these podcasts, what type of animal life live there? Because it goes along with this. We always end up talking about uh, the people and everything that went, uh, that comes with these different places in the world. But the animal life is very unique. You can find a variety of wildlife in Cuba and it's due to the diverse terrain. The terrain is so different there in different places, hilly, sandy. So you know, you just get so many different types of animals that live there, you know. A few examples of those animals, as there's thousands and thousands of birds that are there. You know, a little, just a couple uh, examples would be like the little bee hummingbird, which is very unique. And there's a bird called the Cuban trogon. You know, that's very, very unique. It's uh, hard to uh, explain how these different birds just come to this area and stay in that area, but it's like that every place in the world. Each place in the world has its own unique type of animals. So that's why I like to tell you again about the different animals that live in these places. So and when it comes to the birds, of course, there's always tons of them in different places, but they have the little parakeets and then they have the flamingo, which is beautiful to see. And in as far as the fish, there's over 900 different species that live there, the gar, or the grouper. And then the mammals, uh, they have the manatee, which everybody is intrigued by that. I've seen those myself in Florida, and it's just very neat to watch them swim and see how they look. They're just extraordinary looking, and there's nothing else in the world that looks like that. Now this brings me to another animal here that lives there, it's the mongoose it was not originally there it was brought in and what that's created is problems although man has had a lot of negative effects on the wildlife there because of bringing in different animals and the main one is the mongoose it's changed everything it's caused many to go extinct different animals by bringing in certain other animals that don't fit into the flow of things there 
and so the mongoose was one of the main problems problem causers of the animal life there but as you can see the animal life there has its own unique um, different wildlife and again the terrain creates that but so this what i want to tell you about here is where this all comes from all this soil this animal life what it has created is a huge economy and a certain uh, thing that comes from cuba and the blue alta area it's tobacco and it's, it's famous cigars now how cigars came to be in cuba well they were there for a long long time but how they were discovered was actually christopher columbus landed in the americas and all up from south and north america around 1492 as we all know well he's the one that discovered it there and how great the tobacco was there in that area now when he landed there the tribes he encountered they were really nice to him actually and they gave him some dry tobacco leaves to take back to Europe with him and the people there were intrigued and of course they wanted more and so that begun the Cuban cigar phenomenon around the world now tobacco does tobacco products stretches back thousands and thousands of years they got uh, uh, where they found uh, tobacco products as far back as 6,000 BC in the world in different places. Now, cigars are different than cigarettes. Cigarettes are kind of on its way out. There's a lot of people who get cancer from that. But why are cigars becoming more and more and more popular all the time? It's just a very nostalgic thing to do. And a good example that I have of that is my son-in-law. He loves to, in the evening, have a cigar. So, when I'm over there, and if he happens to have one, I really enjoy getting to watch him relax and sit with his family and him have a cigar. So, as an example, I looked and searched to get him a cigar. And to get cigars from Cuba to here is quite a deal. So I searched and found a way and I ordered some Cuban cigars to come here. The first batch I got actually got confiscated because they're not legally supposed to come in here. And so the second batch, they came in and I gave him a uh, box of them. And I think he was very pleased with them and he really liked them. He told me thank you and I got to watch him smoke them. And that really made me happy and made me really happy to see his family happy and just to see him relax. He works really hard and he provides for my daughter and his family so good. And then to see them, see him happy, I know that makes kids happy. They can feel it. So as you can see, even the nostalgic or the, the things that come along with the cigar, there's a lot of things that come along like. First of all, the most common reason they say when I've done some studying on this is why cigars become so widespread as it goes along with what I'm talking about is because again the activity it is even when you do it no matter what whenever it is it's a celebration in itself and used to celebrate many many different things uh, just like the birth of a baby or and it creates great conversation in the evenings you're relaxing and um, just people can calm down and have a good conversation have a quiet moment together or you can be at parties again like for the baby like I just said now even the way some describe what a cigar does when you have one like that some which uh, I haven't really enjoyed having them as much as a lot of other people have uh, but 
I still appreciate them and I appreciate what comes with them. And most people, some people say that it almost it's almost like a dance when you do it because it's a dance of your sensation, your senses, which is elegant and it needs no preparation in advance. That's what's really neat about this cigar. You can have people just show up in the evening and you're sitting there visiting and it gets close to the evening and they'll say, hey, let's have a cigar. Well, that just expands the evening into a great night uh, fellowship. Now, I so love doing this episode on cigars for the reason that cigars are so popular and that is, again, cigars lovers really do a lot of research into their cigars, people that really get into this. They search for the special place in the world because every cigar has its own flavor, its own aroma, its own taste. Some cigar lovers take it as far as even, even knowing who the cigar rollers are. Now that is a conversation in itself. Cigar rollers are, it's just a gift almost. It's from a lifetime of learning to roll them because the way they are rolled it impacts how they are how they come across to the human body again as the senses because we want to have the dance of the sensations so cigar lovers look for a great place like Cuba like Vuelta but then they even go past that they check into who the hand rollers are for each farm that comes along that they look into because those and once they learn and find this spot they do go to great lengths to get that same cigar every time because they fall in love with it because those cigar rollers are very very skilled some of the best ones are like that and some of the others people love to they love cigars for the age process. They package them and how long they're aged and um, how long they're kept. But in the end, from birth to grave, meaning from the beginning of the time the cigars or the tobacco is planted to the time it is uh, harvested to the time it is hand rolled, the entire process is an experience and it goes all the way, it can go all the way around the world and those people are reliving those experiences of even those people that grew this, that hand rolled it, that harvested it, the work that went into it. They're talking about it, having conversations about these people that do all this hard work. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that farmer's life here in a minute. I'm getting ready to tell you that. But as you have these conversations around the campfire, around the kitchen table, or around your uh, picnic table, whatever, you can go into those conversations and a lot of people do to do that but again in the end what comes out of this is how it affects the world and the economy now we'll go I'm going to tell you a little bit how the economy is affected from cigar and tobacco and then we'll lead it back into the farmers life I love to end with the farmer himself I believe that that shows uh, respect to them. I like to take a special time to do that. So again, back to the money and, and the tobacco and the cigars. Now Cuban, Cuban cigars, again, are a very special breed themselves. They are the best and can cost thousands of dollars just for one single box, which is crazy. But people 
do that. I mean, it's just like people buying a bottle of wine or a big high-dollar dinner or a high-dollar steak. We all do it one way or the other. And the income derived from cigars for Cuba is phenomenal. Just like in the year 2019 alone, there was over $200 million generated just from tobacco. The, and the tobacco industry represents the largest part of the GDP of the Cuban economy, which I can understand that. Uh, even Cuba, though, right now, the sanctions on them, they have a hard time sending them to different places in the world, which makes it a more wanted product. Now, there is a debate they are talking about lifting those sanctions. Some people say, oh, that would be awesome. And we, uh, because then you can get your hands on cigars. But the argument or the debate is, is how will that affect the uh, Cuban cigar itself? Because the debate is, is part of why people consider the Cuban cigar the best in the world? Is it a mental thing? Because it's so hard to get. Like when I sent them to my son-in-law, it was awesome to get to tell him that story he thought it was so cool that his first box did not get to him because it was confiscated and then this next box that he got it made it even more special so what will happen if they lift the sanctions will all of a sudden it be just normal will all of a sudden say people look at it and say well really this place in this part of the world is just as good as this or it's better than the Cuban cigar. That is yet to be seen. But again, on the other hand, if they don't lift the sanctions and they leave it like this, it can be a good thing, a bad thing, because out of all these millions of dollars that come through here, even the saddest part about it is the farmer because they don't really reap the benefits from that because the median income for the farmer, the average worker there is only $25 a month, which is really not a good thing. So the debate goes on and on and on. Which way will they go? Will they, I believe personally at some time we will, we will open the sanctions up and let them back out because this all began back in the 60s back when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, as you know, when Russia were, was going to put the uh, nuclear warheads in Cuba and all that happened, that's when we shut the walls down to Cuba. Now, the most famous, I love to talk about this because this leads into my hero of my life. Um, the most famous cigar in Cuba is, the, uh, is known as the Churchill cigar it's the size that sells it's huge like if you remember winston churchill had the huge cigar that he always smoked and i'd love to pull over here just for a moment and talk about churchill seeing him do that or to smoke one of those and well i have that in my memory of seeing him with those because it was at a time that i believe churchill played the largest role in the war of world war ii to save this world to get it back to a democracy to stop the Hitler train from taking over the world. He, as you know, England was the last one before to fall and they held on and they held on and they held on and they held on before America came into the war. I don't believe that they would have held on without Churchill. I believe God put him there 
for that reason. And his stature, his strength, his words, his speeches were so strong, so invigorating that he had that he uh, got the people of England to be so uh, had so much strength built up within them to hang on with thousands of bombs raining down on them constantly. And again, seeing him with that cigar from Cuba smoking that really means a lot to me. So you can see what that has done. I mean, how even a Cuban cigar was brought into the importance of World War II, seeing it give some more, uh, yeah, to me it gave power and gave strength and, and just give reverence in a way to Churchill, just the way he looked and the way he spoke and having that cigar. Again, well, all of this again could not have come to be without the people, without the farmers. Again, I am so close to the farmer because of where my family roots come from. I've talked about it on several occasions. I come from a family farm that was in the family. It's a century farm in the family for over a hundred years. Working the farm life is extremely hard. You go through the good times, you go through the bad times. At one time, my family went to a really bad time. Back uh, the first 20 years of the farm, they lost the farm in taxes. So they had to bear down and share crop and earn enough money to get that farm back out of taxes to get it back in the family, and they did. And, and then I moved forward to when my father was a young lad or boy. He, from the time he was 12 years old till, the, till he left for the military in 1961, again, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So this, as you can see, is all comes circular to me. It's very special and it's unique in its different ways. So, but my dad, he farmed that farm. He was the main son that ran the farm that helped my grandfather and my grandmother. Now they had six kids and they had four boys. But my oldest, or my father's oldest brother, he went to, um, he went to the military early on and he really did not farm the farm like that. But at 13, my father was farming and he ran the farm basically. It was a 40 acre farm. Now these days, a 40 acre farm is not that big of farm at all. The small farmer has really fell by the wayside. They're not there anymore. It takes thousands of acres to make a living with a farm. But my dad went through the hard times and he went through the good times. And you can see hard times and good times. I a big representation to me of hard times is I went to Honduras one time and I see how the farmers got by day to day. I would watch them get up, they would harvest some fruit and they would sell the fruit that morning. A lot of it to people coming from other countries, sell that fruit, make a few dollars. And that day, that money that they bought, they would have to go buy their dinner that evening. So they were living day to day breadstick to breadstick, meat to meat to make it through that day. Now that is hard times, that is grit, and that is what these farmers are like in Cuba. 
because most of the farmers there have an average farm of only 10 acres, but it's been passed down from generation to generation and generation to generation again with their rollers, their hand rollers, the special ones. They want those because again, in different parts of the world, these people are searching for that very unique taste and extraordinary flavor. So it's very, very important that those names stay in the family, that the world gets to know them and they wanna come back. So the work begins, it's a year round process. In Cuba, in the Vuelta area, they plant in November and they harvest in March, which is a little different. It's kind of the opposite seasons than what we are. When I look at the different places in the world that I choose in these podcasts, the best products are grown around fertile soil but the thing that I have noticed most every time to get the ultimate ultimate like the Vuelta area of Cuba Cuba is known for the best cigar tobacco but Vuelta is the best of Cuba and guess what they do everything is hand-picked just like certain areas uh, every time that things are picked, handpicked by hand, if you'll notice, those are the best of the best of the best in products. You always have the best, but when the human hand can touch, feel, there's nothing like the human being, the hard work that goes through it. Uh, so that is another thing about the Vuelta, everything that's handpicked. Um, and that, again, is a very unique thing about it. <clears throat> No machinery is used for that. And there's coffees, like I've talked about, that are handpicked. And there's different uh, places in the world that everything is handpicked. Because there's just places you can't get machinery, and there's places that can't afford the machinery. How could a farmer that only makes $25 a month have machinery? So they're out there bending their back, sweat running down their brow, all day long from the time they're young, child seven years old until they're an old person doing this they born in the field and they die in the field and they've lived on these farms their whole lives and they pass the farm from generation to generation to generation and most of these different unique fertile soil areas in the world uh, is affected the entire world by those special places and in the end, the main thing, again, I just like to say it and end the podcast with this each time, is it wouldn't, none of this would come about or be without the fertile soil. <laughs>